0: How do you mitigate your risk? Montel's forecasting services cover risks from hours ahead to years ahead. We welcome you to hedge your market exposure with our diverse forecasting
1: portfolio. Contact us at sales at montelnews.com for more info and a free trial.
2: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast. Bring energy matters in an informal setting. Today, we are returning to subjects that will be familiar to many of you. The expansion of renewables in the Nordic region and the financing of green energy. In particular, we will delve into power purchase agreements, or PPAs as they're more commonly known, and focus on current trends. What's new, what's hot, and what's not. So joining me, Richard Sveresen, to discuss this, are two leading Scandinavian experts in this field. Mia Borden of Borica Partners and Paul Ashtovik of Kinect Energy. A warm welcome to you, Mia and Paul.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me.
2: Thank you, Richard. How is life for you guys in this uh, COVID pandemic? How are you dealing with this uh, professionally and personally?
1: I think from our side in Sweden, we've had less restrictions than many other countries. So probably a little bit easier for us to live our lives uh, not normally, but at least a little bit more, more normal than in uh, other countries. So um, doing pretty well. All, all friends and family well. So very thankful for that. And uh, work is uh, ongoing. Uh, not as usual, but uh, pretty good at least. <laughs>
0: That's good to hear. And you, Paul? Well, most of the same. But what I can say is that we at World Connect work with a, so to say, an international team. So we are all based in different locations kind of like, anyway. So this uh, working and not see each other in person, it's not such a big difference. It's more not saying my other colleagues are hard, but it's not been so much of a difference. Yeah, Working from home works well.
2: <laughs> Good to hear, Paul. But what does this mean in terms of the PPA market, uh, Mia? How has the COVID pandemic affected deals and the pipeline? How do you view that?
1: I wouldn't say so much, actually. I mean, the PPA market and especially the uh, the wind Power build-out market uh, has, of course, been affected last year, but that was mostly due to to the low power prices and uh, weather. Than COVID-19, there were, of course, some delays in the build-out due to workers not being able to to come to to the sites and so on. But um, not so much affected actually. And the PPA market, I can't really see any big differences. Due to that, so I think the the power market and what's happened there has a much larger impact than uh, than COVID, mm. from my view.
2: How do you view the developments in in twenty twenty one, Paul? In twenty twenty
0: one, I think what we saw in twenty twenty, if I go back to that, is is sure. kind of like the, the lower power prices and lower demand that we had all over Europe. But what we also saw that coincided with that low demand was a very very healthy wind year last year, uh, especially March, April. So we saw kind of like a window into the future when we have a lot more renewables onto the grid or meeting demand, not only that power prices were depressed, but also the capture prices of that wind and was then also, so to say, a lot lower than what we've seen before. And mm-hmm. uh, also we saw instances of negative prices also here in the Nordics. That was not only because of the wind, but also because of the, the very healthy hydro situation coming on top of that. But what we see is that when we get more renewable energy into the market, that has a cannibalization effect on the existing renewables that are in there. So capture prices are, are definitely a kind of like a hot topic and we see kind of like how that will play out towards the end of the so to say 2020s. With what we saw in 2020. In 2021, what we see is that power prices rise dramatically upwards again. And that's mainly on the back of, I would say, carbon prices just doubling, also very European. So in a carbon heavy market over really the thermal generation market, which are carbon intensive, that's where the prices rise the most. And that's going to be favorable for renewable energies going forward. So that's absolutely very much favorable for renewables and for PPAs going forward than for the ones that have been clever enough to already sign them.
2: Mia, <laughs> yeah, is this how you view it as well? I mean, if you could just say a few words about your outlook for power prices this year and the coming years, and is this cannibalization of the assets or the the prices even is that is that an issue? I mean, when we talk about cannibalization, I'm I think we're talking about when. You know, everything's producing at once, then yeah. they, the, the prices are lowered. Exactly. Those listeners who may not be familiar with that term.
1: I completely agree that that is becoming a big issue, especially for, uh, for wind power placed in the northern parts in SC1 and SC2, and, and in those parts in, in Norway as well, where there's a lot of uh, wind production. So that is definitely an issue, and that has also affected the PPA price. And, and I think when we talk about PPAs, it's quite important to differ between the utility PPAs and the corporate PPAs. So if we talk about the utility PPAs, the PPAs, so so they're the agreements made between power producer and balancing responsible party or indirect consumer, that has been much affected by the power prices because they are normally market-based and also cannibalization or risks of cannibalization and price area differences are included in the prices. So they have been extremely low end of last year. Uh, have gone up a little bit, but in the north of Sweden are still very low and far too low for wind power producers to to be able to to accept them, or they are lower than the the actual costs for building renewables. So. That makes it difficult for utility PPAs to be entered with parks in the north of Sweden, at least. And I think that's also why we've seen a lot fewer of those kind of PPAs, both end of last year and also beginning of this year. We did have Expo, for example, announcing then the PPA with two wind parks here. I think it was uh, earlier this week or maybe uh, end of last week. But that was in SE3. So that's in in the southern parts of Sweden where cannibalization is, is viewed as less of a risk. So it's still harder for it to happen in the north. But looking at corporate PPAs, sits, that has not been so affected and is not uh, so affected by by the lower power prices. Those are more based on um, costs of building wind or, or solar and what the off taker is willing to pay, and what what they are willing to pay is is more dependent on on long term historical prices and what they believe in the future, looking at uh, forecasts and so on, more than actual prices at the moment.
2: Absolutely. I mean, do you have a view? I mean, Paul was talking about uh, the rebound in wholesale prices, you know, in line also with higher carbon prices. What's your view here in the, in the short to medium term for, for the Nordic region?
1: The higher carbon prices is is not just a, an uptick, a, a temporary uptick that is probably there to, to hold. I mean, there's a lot going on in the EU there. So I don't think we'll see much lower prices from that side. So Definitely a better year than last year. It's uh, <laughs> mm. so definitely what we hope for, but it's a little bit too too early. The hydrological balance is still high, so that's of course uh, still there will be uh, for the next few years. Our view is there will still be a risk for for pretty depressed prices uh, from from now and then. There's a continued very high build out of uh, of renewables uh, in, in, both in in Sweden and in Norway also this year and in Sweden also the coming years. It's better at the moment and carbon will definitely help, but still not safe for the next few years.
2: What's your view here, Paul? I mean, you, we talked a little bit about northern Sweden uh, and the effect that you know high renewables rollout is having there and on the area prices in northern Sweden. Can you say give some indication what's happening in Norway and the rest of the Nordics as you view it? What we
0: say is carbon prices would mainly affect a carbon intensive, so to say, grid, which is not so much so in Norway and Sweden as the renewable part or share is so high anyway, rather look at the Finnish prices or mm. Danish prices and see more of a favourable conditions there and call it Danish prices affect, so to say, Southern Swedish prices as well. So, so they are going to be higher. In Northern Sweden, there has always been, so to say, a surplus of energy production and demand that hasn't really been there. And then you have to have grid connections out of that region to build out new... Grid connections just takes time and it's a political long-term, so to say, process. And politicians are rather not the fastest persons, at least when it comes to expanding or, or renewing grids. But what we see in northern Sweden is, is a massive outbuild of potential, so to say, demand. So you have Northvolt and, and that battery Factory, you have the data centers up in the north of Sweden, and you now have the potential, so to say, green steel production sites coming in there, which is then going to really, really push demand up again. So it levels itself out, at least in some kind of way.
2: For you, then, Paul. I mean, have there any been any kind of standout deals, or could you talk about any sort of key trends that you've seen within the PPA sector in in the last sort of a year, eighteen months, maybe?
0: I think you have the Nordics and the Nordics and Norway, Sweden, Finland. What's special about all those three countries are that the wind parks that are being built are rather large. So when a deal happens, it's a large deal. Also, one of the reasons why there are so many wind parks being built because they can scale it to that extent. What I see is there's a lot of activity happening in Finland, a lot of use happening in Finland. We have seen in Denmark. Deals that are shorter, and they're also called for solar. And we've also seen solar deals in Sweden. So that's some of the things we sort of see the types of PPAs and, and, and how they're being done are, are pretty much the same as, as, as always. But what we've mm-hmm. seen also is new definitions of what is a PPA and new, so to say, more clever structures so that you sell PPAs more so to say the power is from the grid but you couple it up with your production portfolio and goos from here and there so that's some new deals i think what we've also seen kind of like what we see from germany now is from the post eeg or the 20 plus year wind farms that runs out of subsidy that we see very 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 short term ppa deals but then again is that kind of what we talk about when we talk about the ppa because mm. then it comes down to the def- <laughs> definition, is it adding uh, new renewables or are you as a corporate adding or help the PPA be a bankable PPA so that it gets built? And that's then not the case. What we've also seen is more or something that we haven't really seen much of in Europe till now is virtual PPAs. So we've seen quite some virtual PPAs, not so much maybe in the Nordics, but also some in the Nordics, but mostly then out of Spain
2: very interesting i mean i think before because i'd like to turn to you Mia, and talked about the issue of additionality or, or new products versus old established ones but before i go into that topic could you also give your view on sort of current trends or any sort of standouts for you that you kind of any sort of deals of that have surprised you or made you think wow yeah that's uh that's interesting
1: not really one <laughs> or two deals specifically that, that that stands out maybe um i agree with paul there's a bigger variety i think that is uh one trend we we definitely we we can note uh, on on timing uh, everything from in sweden at least uh, 5 years to 15 years also smaller volumes coming in uh, we've had of course the google and and uh, Norsk Hydro and the larger ones uh, for many years but we've also seen now coming from solar also in sweden and down to 40 gigawatt hours uh, a year also from from wind power so it's uh, I think the smaller smaller P- corporate PPAs are um, coming and maybe solar is leading the way a little bit there. And if you've done with solar, it's faster. It can be up and running within a couple of years. But kind of learning how the PPA market works and spreading, and that can also spread to PPAs for smaller wind parks. So that's definitely one trend. And also more sectors coming in. We've seen local mutis- municipalities being interested, real estate smaller industries than maybe turning to solar first and and also interested in continuing with with wind afterwards. And as I said before, the corporate PPAs being uh, kind of overtaking the utility PPAs, so more corporate PPAs being done than utility PPAs. Maybe the volumes are are larger when it comes to utility, but but if you count the number of them, we see that that is coming more. Maybe not completely related to, to PPAs, but more on the wind power and then indirectly rating to PPAs. At least in Sweden, the attitude, I think, has changed a little bit starting end of last year, beginning of this year towards a bit more positive attitude to wind power build out and to PPAs in, in general, probably related to all the industry announcements of industry electrification and, and that they've shown that we need a lot of wind power and a lot of, well not, not only wind, solar, all renewable. We need a lot of renewable power in Sweden and that that will kind of draw industries to the country and that it will help industry reducing their uh, carbon footprint. So I think that has, that trend is we, we start to see, and that will also make it more positive for corporates to enter into PPAs. Uh, we've had, some discussions with corporates who have been previously a little bit hesitant to to PPAs because of they are un- unsure that it's only positive, so that that it may be seen as uh, not as good in, in a few years. Uh, we've had a lot of discussions in Sweden on uh, on the capacity effects and uh, yeah the nuclear debate and, and and all that. And PPAs has has kind of been. Seen well, they are. They are worried that PPAs that entering into PA may not only be good, but I think that is changing a little bit, and I think that is very good for for this year going mm. next year.
2: I mean, I think, you know, Paul touched on it as well, the concept of additionality is going mm. to be maybe more more important for for, for the companies that you, you mentioned, Amir. Yeah. When we say additionality, that is, you know, companies want to be seen to be building new plants, new renewable capacity, rather than having deals with, with older established uh, units. So, mm-hmm. But is additionality as such outdated as a concept? Should we be thinking more about sort of environmental and social corporate governance? Is that Coming more also ESG for short another another abbreviation for this yeah. market, but uh, <laughs> is that becoming more important? Do you think for for corporates? Um,
1: I wouldn't say additionality is outdated yet. At least, definitely not. That is one of the very important uh, criteria, and uh, we are currently performing a tender for for Liquid Wind, for example, that that will produce uh, e-methanol also in the for the transport sector and. I think the transport sector may be going a little bit in the forefront here, and uh, because they will put in quite clear criteria on what is needed for the in energy supplied to actually be called green. So, for them to say this is green fuel, what is needed on the on the renewables there, and additionality is definitely one thing mentioned there that it has to contribute to new power. But we also have the geography should it be from a wind park or solar park nearby the, the actual production of the, of, of the fuel or the steel or, or whatever the final output it. We have the timing issue that is um, becoming more and more important. So the matching 24 uh, hour matching or matching on a monthly basis and tracking mm-hmm. and that, that is also becoming more more important. And we can see that from the GEO market, for example, from, from France implementing this monthly. Matching that production has to be that, that the GOS have to be issued the same month as the consumption is taking place. So that will prob- probably spread to other countries and also implement the what you want within a PPA. So so no additionality definitely not outdated, but more issues are are there. We've also had discussions with with corporates when when tendering for Ppas of for example local compensation that they should be valued higher if it comes from a wind park you have provided some kind of compensation to the people living in the area also with the permitting what what kind of and, and the whole value chain of the wind parks uh, to to value higher if you have a carbon reduction or as little <laughs> carbon footprint as possible in the whole value chain so but it's it's still kind of in a searching phase and very uncertain and they don't really know what they are looking for yet and and we don't really know what to value highest it's uh, it's uh, i think that will be, be set in in the next years uh, all from the eu but also uh, nationally what what will be most important so not not very clear but a lot of different issues um playing a role
2: mm. absolutely and they will probably play a much larger role as you said in the years to come Paul, is this sort of environmental and social corporate uh, governance and social responsibility, is that becoming more important for corporates or for some companies? And how is that having an impact on the PPA and and geo markets? even.
0: I think the whole ESG subject is becoming more and more important for corporates, but that encompasses so much. So that's the whole, so to say, the the whole scope. When we talk about then environment, then we, then we talk about the scope one, two, and three emissions. And when we talk about the PPA, we're mostly talking about the scope two emissions. So the emissions mm. from the energy that is, or electricity that's being bought in. Mm. But when we do, so to say, screen possible or projects or PPA sellers towards our corporate customers, one of the most important things is also that that project is very much a ESG project. So, so not only that it's renewable, but also that the project developer kind of like adheres to all ESG, so to say, things that the corporate wants say, so, so that it adheres to also the, the sustainable code of conduct of the com- corporates that we, that, that we talk to. When we also talk about additionality, if I go back to that, that is still, so to say, it has to be one of the most important things still because with the green deal or with what we're aiming for, the goal is in 2030 now to, to become, so to say, almost green. Then we need new renewables. And to get new renewables, we need additional new renewables. So, so it, that should be... A very, very, very important aspect.
2: In recent months, we've seen some very bullish forecasts from analysts and from TSOs regarding Nordic power demand from 2030 onwards. What's your view here, Mia?
1: It's very interesting reports and extremely difficult to to say what will become reality and uh, and not the latest reports from the from the TSO uh, report on how to what what is needed to reach uh, agreed climate targets was very bullish as as you said and I think we have seen some concrete plans uh, of it as well from from as you said the H two steel uh, hydrogen uh, factories. Uh, being built both in, in Norway and, and Sweden and uh, the other Nordic countries, and also with the hybrid. And then maybe the, most of it will happen after 2030, so more towards 2040. So I think before 2030, we'll definitely see an increase, but the absolute largest parts will will probably come, come after that. But uh, yeah, Sweden has also now um, proposals to to plan for double double consumption to 2045, and that's uh, that is very different uh, compared to what it what it looked like only a year ago. Definitely, things are are happening here that will have a major impact on um, on, on the whole energy market in, in the Nordics uh, and. Uh, Maybe a, a little bit uh, the, the last could could be a little bit too bullish for the <laughs> un, until two thousand and thirty uh, most will probably come afterwards, but yeah d- definitely a lot a lot is happening hmm.
2: I know that Bodega partners have looked into um the potential for offshore wind in southern Sweden. Is that something you you know you see as feasible,
1: MiA? Yeah, I mean, we haven't been doing any any uh, big analysis on exactly the the offshore wind, but looking at the um, more the the overall potential. But uh, yeah, there's a high high potential uh, in the southern Sweden, and as I said before, the attitude, the political attitude, and also the attitude among Swedish people in in general is is changing, and that's very important for that to actually happen as well. And I think also the discussions between the defense area, because they, they have a lot of, of areas, the uh, the military areas and the Environmental Protection Agency, Energy Agency, they are discussing a lot more now uh, and have a, a kind of the same view now than they had before. And also the the government and most political parties have realized that that wind power is very much needed and especially in the south of sweden so uh, there's a lot of potential and attitude is is changing to towards a bit more a lot more positive um so um, there's a lot planned here and uh, that's uh, definitely something we see then of course it's it's not something that will happen happen as a solar within the next uh, two years it will mm. it will take time and and uh, unfortunately the the biggest problems we have now between the, with the difference between the north and south is is before the interconnections are built and they are being built and the offshore will also take time so yeah, we would need something quicker, but that's the way it is. But uh, very much potential for offshore.
2: How about Norway, Paul? You know, I know that you know there's very vocal opposition to onshore uh, wind, which seems to be be growing in certain uh, certain parts of the country. But what about offshore wind? I mean, is that is is there much potential for you, or is are costs still far too prohibitive?
0: The Norwegian coast is, so to say, it goes deep and it's deep, so you can't have sort. You need floating mm. for most of the coastal areas. So that's still in the development phases, but that's being developed and it will come. But it's a bit down the road. And for what they might have offshore, not floating, maybe in, in, in the south and uh, southern part between Norway and Denmark, I think we have some areas there that are being looked at to be built out. It's a little bit shallow water, at least, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely... but. What there, again, then, so to say, offshore wind will have to compete with oil installations. And and Norway is just driven by oil and the oil lobby. So now that the wind sector has gained the oil lobbies, so to say, or they've actually jumped on board, then that will mean that I think we will see a build-out very soon. Mm -hmm. So all the oil companies and uh, oil technology companies, Oil service companies are, are, are now very much into the, the offshore wind and starting up there. A little bit late, but it, it's coming.
2: So very bright prospects for, for offshore wind in both Norway and Sweden. So Mia, thank you very much for, for joining the, the Montel podcast today. And also to you, Paul, a big thanks.
1: Thank you very much, So
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you and goodbye. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions or you know let us know if you if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show you can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com lastly remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on montel news you can subscribe on apple podcasts and spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from thank you and goodbye